Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I am your host Alex Jones to talk to you about video games and all the big news of the week, which has been pretty dry, unfortunately. But we've managed to squeeze some blood out of the stone and there are a few stories that of course we want to talk about. But as always, joining me here to talk about the news, talk about the hot trends and topics in the world of gaming, it's the one and only Jamie. Well, I don't know how hot they necessarily are, to be honest. Even squeezing blood from a stone sounds like a somewhat uh, easier activity than than we've uh, had on our plates for the past hour or so trying to put together something of a podcast document. But here we are. The show must go on, Jonesy. That's what they say, right? The, the show must go on, indeed. Um, and before the show does go on, Jamie, I'm going to give a little shout out to all of the eager beavers who have joined us in the chat ready for the beginning of the podcast live on YouTube. Um, let's give a shout out to Magni, Shellshock, The Funky Penguin, Classy Cat, and I Eat Cheese and Aim Nestus. Uh, Aim Nestus is currently listening to us um, in the toilet stall at work. So big shout Nice. Big shout The question, question is, Jonesy, headphones in or just full blast Super Show in the toilet cubicle? What do you reckon? Full blast. So yeah. uh, hopefully people think that there's multiple people in one stall and they kick it down and go, what are you doing? And they realize that you're just yeah. having a shit listening to a podcast. Either there are three video game fans doing cocaine in that stall, or that's like the world's nerdiest threesome. Something's happening in there. However you slice it, Amnesis is a part of it. Absolutely. Um, we are a video game podcast, if you couldn't guess already. We are on YouTube at Super Show Pod and X. We're also all over the uh, major podcasting platforms. We're talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Jamie looks unhappy because I didn't call it Twitter. Well, I've, I've made I the just, transition. I still don't know how I feel about hearing the word X out loud in the context of referring to the artist formerly known as Twitter. I just don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I, I did hear someone refer to it as, oh, I, mean, I can't remember now. It was like an amalgamation of X and Twitter, um, and I, I, it didn't sound good. I can't remember what it was. Would it, in, if you Hang on, because in Chinese, doesn't X sometimes become like a CH or a SH kind of sound? So couldn't it theoretically be shitter? Shitter, maybe. Or Chitter. Chitter. Chitter seems more appropriate because that is actually what the website has been um, since its rebranding, for the most part. I, I'm i kind of torn. I like some aspects of it and I hate others. And it, it, I don't like, for example, how it always forces me onto my For You page. And but one of the reasons being is that I just then spend an hour scrolling through <laughs> people that I don't even follow. Um, yeah. And just like, yeah, going through it. That's the thing. I hate, I hate algorithms because of how often they work, is, is what Twitter reminds me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also in two minds. Like It's one of those things where every time something goes horribly wrong on X, now, of course, Elon has made himself a very easy uh, target because of you know the amount that he has you know ripped up that website from its, well, were its roots to make it what it is today. But at the same time, and I'm going to have to say this very quietly, there is an element of it that I kind of... I don't respect, but that fascinates me. When, you, like, given the percentage of the workforce that he was able to eradicate almost immediately, and yet still keep it functional, and slowly but surely also make the changes that he wanted to make, whether they were a good idea or a bad idea. Like, at least it's all happening, you know? And yes, he's wiped billions and billions of dollars off the value of the company, and so on. Oh, so but it was forth. so overvalued in the first place. That's the problem. That's why he didn't want to buy it, right? That's, that's why he tried to back out. That's the thing. I think what something that people forget is they're like, oh, he he reduced the value of it. Like, no, no, it was already not worth any anywhere near like what they said, but it was so overhyped and overpriced that yeah, it, he. But then he stitched himself up. He shouldn't have had such a big mouth. <laughs> then he wouldn't have had to buy it. Um, but no, yeah. look, he's he's a businessman. He's making business. He's making business moves. He's making money moves. Um, whatever. 
I don't, I don't really, I'm not a CEO. I don't really care. Um, yeah, crack on. Um, yeah. Something I do care about though, Jamie, is that if you want to watch us or listen to us, I should say somewhere else, uh, not just on podcasting platforms or on YouTube, you can also check us out over at paisleyradio.com. Thursdays, 10 p.m. Repeat on Mondays at 10 p.m. There's loads of ways to check us out and loads of ways to enjoy the gaming goodness. That is the Super Show podcast. Um, shall we crack on with our first story? Yeah, well, no time like the present. This is not quite like the thing that we normally do because we're going to give a little, um, uh, a little, a little back look. That's not even a word, is it? I was going to say backlog and a look back, and it came out as back look. Let's have a little look back, back. a back look. Let's have a little look. Is that back. When, you, when you shoot your rearview mirror when you're reversing, Josie? I'm just going to have a quick back look before I reverse into this <laughs> yeah. parking space. When, I, when my parking sensors aren't working, I have to do a back look. Mm. There is one thing where that's legit. If you ever go rock climbing, right, and you're at the top, right, and you're coming down, you don't call okay. it climbing down. You call it down climbing. Oh, huh. why have they done that? I don't know. It was, yeah, the first time I heard that, I thought no, I was hearing wrong. But yeah, no, they're saying you're going to down climb. And you're like, do you mean climb down? No. Oh, they meant down. Are you, you going to back drive? Yeah. Are you going to you gonna back walk? Back look? Yeah, I don't like it. Anyway, let's... I, I, don't, yeah, I'm not, I don't like rock climbing anyway. Bouldering. Fair. It's for virgins. So. Bit of bouldering. Sorry. Let's take a back look at um, Minecraft. Because um, this week it was announced that Minecraft had broken 300 million sales since its release. And we thought, no time like the present to talk about the biggest game of all time. Um, it has been for a long time. Uh, but the 300 million sales target is obviously notable because of its girth. Yeah, it's 300 million but it's also notable because it is now um, over 100 million sales uh, ahead of the next best-selling title, which is kind of ridiculous um, that it's made that much of a headway. And one of the reasons I wanted to give it a little shout as well, not only because I played it back in 2010, uh, 2010 2011, when it first dropped, um, when it was still, yeah. before it was even officially released, I believe, um, also because one of the amazing things I think about Minecraft is that it is an indie game. Uh, if you in in most senses, it was originally made, conceived, and built by one man who started a company. Then, obviously, to help him build it. Uh, but let's go through it. Let's do it. By go through it, I mean the back look at Minecraft. <laughs> um, so, in case you didn't know, Minecraft began as a side project for uh, Marcus Person, also known as Notch, um, in early two thousand and nine, whilst he was working at King. Uh, he then developed Minecraft between 2009-2011. It was obviously released in multiple forms where he was putting out like dev versions of the game. He was putting out alphas, betas, and then it finally released the classic version of Minecraft, which came out in 2011. Um, so, okay, so I remember playing it back then. Yeah. I I think I probably bored people with me saying how great this little game was. Did you? When did you jump on the Minecraft train? Um, I jumped on fairly early as well. I, I can remember... I used to watch this YouTube channel and it would have been at some point in that 2009 to 2011 bracket while the game was still uh, essentially being developed. Although I guess it was, you know, it was being developed for a long time, but it was when it was in that really early stage. They were called like NoobTube or something like that. Oh. With an E at the end. Um, are you fro- Oh no, you're You've back. Gone, something's, something's gone broke. I'm back if you're back. I am back, but I th- there is a problem. An error occurred. Uh, tell you what, let's flick over to our little placeholder thing. 
Oh no. It says that we're streaming. I just can't see us. Maybe I can find us. Let, I mean, us, let us know in chat if you can still see us because my um my stream window is saying that we are. I think we're live. Okay. Then let's crack on. <laughs> oh, uh, you froze, Jamie. Apparently that was it, but we are back. Oh, I can't see that we're actually live in my little window now, so I'm just going to have to go with it. Okay. I think that's part of the fun, though, Teddy. I've always had you down as an adrenaline junkie. Some people jump out of planes and climb mountains. You just go live on YouTube without actually being able to see whether your stream is still up or not. Okay, that's all the excitement you need. This is peak adrenaline for me right now. This is this is exciting as my life gets. That my little window just says error, but apparently people are saying they can still see us. Uh, so I trust them. I trust them. There we go. I trust them too. Um, um, but yeah, those yeah. early that it was those. I remember you saying about the uh, YouTube channel in those early days because I think that's where um, a lot of people found they, out about it, right? Yeah, there were these two um, like middle-aged dudes, an Asian guy and a white guy, and they would always sit behind, sit in front of this huge, these huge walls of wine, and they would pour themselves a glass of wine and talk about games. And I don't know why it sticks out my memory, but it was one of the, with hindsight, probably some of the first you know gaming media I consumed on YouTube. And I remember one of them going to a convention or something and coming back and describing Minecraft. And that was the first memory I have, is trying to visualize Minecraft based on someone's description of it, but having no frame of reference for what it actually looked like. And and just my imagination running wild, which I guess in theory was appropriate because that's fundamentally what a lot of the promise that Minecraft ultimately delivered on was a sense of freedom. But that brings me to my second memory of Minecraft, which is thinking, wow, this is incredible. This is the hot new thing. I've got to get on this, getting on it, and immediately going, well, now what? And um, yeah. a what young, do do with this? yeah, teenage Jamie not really vibing particularly well with what is essentially now, you know, uh, you know, the direction, a sense of directionless gameplay that in some respects has become mainstream in, in recent years, um, but at the time was a little bit jarring. Um, and but but a lot has changed in the years since. That's so true. You say that, and I, I must admit, I hadn't even thought of it like that at the time. Um, yeah, ga there weren't many games where it was kind of like, or that I remember anyway, that was sort of like just do whatever you want, like a true sandbox, open world, like go for it. And that was one of the sort of amazing things about Minecraft was it was the it was very, it, it, yeah, it was just so open. It was just do whatever. I didn't even know there was a a, a game to complete. I don't think there was back in the early days. I don't think there was any such thing as the Ender Dragon. Um, <clears throat> uh, and that maybe even like the nether wasn't even a thing um, but obviously since then it has grown, it has expanded it, they've added so much to the game um, and it has gone from strength to strength uh, we were just going to touch on a couple of uh, the few bullet points um, around through the development we're not going to linger on it for too long because I'm sure people know a lot about Minecraft and they don't need us to tell them um, but yeah so after Notch left um, King Blimey, my memory went there. Uh, he actually went into another company. I cannot remember for the life of me what they're called. Oh, J, J Album. I couldn't even find the name. J Album, where he worked for a while. Uh, but then he left to go full-time and to uh, full-time develop Minecraft and launch it. Um, so that's when he set up Mojang. Um, Mojang? Mojang? What do you say? I've always said Mojang. Or Mo well, actually, I haven't. I think I used to say Mojang. Mojang. I think I'll go Mojang. I've, I've heard both. It was definitely Mojang for a very long time. And then I want to say, I might be wrong on this. Someone in the chat might have to correct me, but I think employees of that company, whose name we're talking about, have themselves gone back and forth at times. I explicitly remember watching 
an E3 or something like that and hearing Mo Yang going, oh, I guess I'm going to change the way I say that word. And then a few years later, the same people being out on stage and calling it Mo Jang. So fuck knows. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm not the authority on it. It's Where's like, you know, any any Swedes in the chat? Any Swedes? It's like the uh, GIF and GIF, uh, and we've now in the UK we've currently got Skoda and Skoda. They're they're literally putting out adverts going. Oh no, I've, I've never. This. Yeah, but but then it's, oh, I guess it's the same with Porsche and Porsche, right? But it looks like Hyundai because I've got a Hyundai. They now have released an advert saying it's not Hyundai, it's Hyundai. 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 That's just. But then it's but then it's like then you get into weird stuff. It's like are you meant to say words the way that they are said in their you know native languages or country of origin? Like I'm going to tell you, as we live extremely close to it. Some people fucking swim there. That's how close we are. But if you walk around London calling it Paris, people are going to give you a slap. It's Paris, you know. Like so, yeah. so. At what point? At what point can you just anglicize it because that's what makes sense to do? You know. Uh, yes, no, absolutely. Like you, at some point, you just got to go with it. I'm, I'm being told in the chat is Mojang, and I also mispronounced Marcus Person. But you've written in a chat, William Stark. I can't. I don't know how I'm supposed to say it. Still, what did I say? I can't even remember what I said. Anyway, but let's crack on. So the, this is an interesting fact about Mojang. Mojang, sorry, Mojang, which um, I don't remember. I, I remember a little bit, but I don't remember. All the ins and outs of this and this is so in 2014 once they're doing really well the game's massive um and then there gets uh, a problem with um end user license agreements uh because basically what happened was there were a bunch of private servers set up there were mods that you could access and you could use but some of the uh servers were having uh, had mods where you could effectively pay to win and you could pay for you know like buffs in game and things and mojang didn't like that so they have, they clamped down and they basically said we don't want that we don't want people doing pay to win we don't mind if you charge entry to get into the server we don't mind if you charge for um uh, cosmetics but we don't want people to have sort of like a um a mismatched uh, experience once they're in the game um so they were going to come down hard on that the all the um players responded quite harshly because they'd been playing for a while and had no problems with this and they thought it was great uh and this was the point at which um notch actually tweeted out and said um does anyone want to buy mojang because he was kind of done with the whole uh eula thing and was a bit annoyed about it um but which is actually really cool because then apparently uh mojang got a bunch of calls saying is he serious yeah we'll buy it and so then this led to a couple of offers so we're talking uh Activision, Blizzard, EA, and of course Microsoft offered a bunch of money for the uh, for the company. Um, really want to get their hands on the Microsoft IP and uh, sorry on the Mojang IP. And as we all now know, Microsoft won out at the end of the day, and they bought everything for two point five billion dollars, um, which is absolutely insane when you think how the game started out, where it ended up, and how loaded uh, Marcus per- Person became. So that is pretty yeah. sick, isn't it? Like, do you remember in 20, uh, pretty sure it was the same year in 2014, I, obviously I don't know how much of the 2.5 billion he saw in total, but one of the first big uh, extravagant purchases he made with the newfound wealth was that um, Beverly Hills um, mansion that cost, I think it was $70 million. And apparently, and again, I, I can't, I, I don't know if this is just like an internet rumor that's now just been cast into like myth and legend and now people believe it. Uh, but supposedly the reason it cost $70 million is because he was in a bidding war with Beyonce and Jay-Z, which I do love as a little bit of trivia about the guy who made That's Minecraft. Um, but yeah, fuck it. Like, why, yeah, no, why not? 
you know? Yeah. No, I, that, yeah, why not? If you've got that much money, if you just sold something and you've made that much money, why not? Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty epic story. I think the reason it's so cool is because I think a lot of people that get into like game development, especially if you want to make games for yourself, you know, and you think you've got a good idea, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like the, um, like the golden story of anyone can do this, anyone can make something and it can become absolutely huge. You can start a company and sell that company and make a billion dollars, yeah. which is kind of kind of insane, kind of crazy. And I also just love the the fact that Minecraft almost exists as this testament to kind of that even when it feels like a certain idea um, either is off the table or that just must be given you know the, the number of video games that have been made and how long video games have been made for that an idea must be off the table that that's sometimes not always the case and there's like a, a kind of a, a baseline logic to Minecraft that so many people can understand and appreciate at all ages which is part of why it's so successful that you hear and you just go okay but yeah like what what makes it different what makes it unique like we you know we all grew up playing with lego like we understand like the the fundamentals of like building block design and we can see how you can extrapolate from that and apply it to you know the essentially the contents of a randomly generated world and so on and so forth but there is something about the way that Minecraft comes together in a game and that je ne sais quoi that it has that communicates with so many people and so many audiences and so many different demographics and has stood the test of time that, you know, there have been lots of Minecraft imitators, lots of pretenders to the throne. Some of them have been very good and extremely popular. You know, Terraria, with, which did to its credit, eventually became a very different thing and is now a very different uh, game to Minecraft and remains one of the highest rated games on Steam. But like, I still prefer Minecraft, and I had my biggest Minecraft moment of my life in 2020, like the first okay. year of lockdown, at the age of 27, you know, and by that point, it was a, a nine-year-old game, like I said, I was a 27-year-old man, and I rediscovered Minecraft in a way that I never had before, and it's really cool, and I think the other thing that's really interesting is that you, um, in this little uh, document you put together, you noted some of the spin-offs that have been born from the Minecraft franchise, if you will. And I think the fact that you can look through all of those and say, well, most of them aren't outright disasters. They are all reminders that there is like a, a something special about Minecraft in and of itself that you can't just replicate no matter how smart, how many smart people you put in a room to come up with a way to kind of feed off that um, success that it's had. It's it yeah like it, it was a, it was a once in a lifetime thing. That's such a good point. Like if you I had a, it's funny I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago because my kids love Minecraft. Um, they like playing sort of all different mods and doing like really weird crazy stuff that obviously I never did back when I was sort of playing it ten years ago. Um, and my dad was watching them play it and he said, "What is this? Why are the graphics so rubbish?" I said, "This is Minecraft." And my dad was like, "Oh." Uh, this is uh, this is uh, not quite as good as some of the other games I've seen. I bet this is like a cheaper game, like a cheapy game, isn't it? And I said, Dad, do you know how much the man made who sold this uh, to, to Microsoft? And he was like, what, how much did he make? And I told him. And he was absolutely flabbergasted. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's mad when you think there are these really amazing concepts and people come up with these really intricate games that take years to make and then just don't take off. And the yeah, Minecraft was such, seems like such a simple idea, but so many possibilities so much modding so i mean that is i think that is the the epitome of minecraft now are the mods like people play it to play mods and to play in certain certain yeah. things um sure it's definitely become a thing in its in its own right you know it's like almost like an ecosystem right it's not actually just as we've i've listed down here so that we've got um 
the different spin-offs. So like Minecraft, which is a 2011 um, top-down 2D game. Minecraft Stories, which was uh, the uh, Telltale 2015 and Season 2, which was 2017 uh, games. Minecraft Earth, which was an AR sandbox in 2019. Dungeons, obviously, 2020. And then Minecraft Legends, uh, which came out earlier this year. But I think if you try to put every mod, every different type of game you could play, you'd, it'd be tens of thousands. Or oh, yeah. There's so many different things that you can do there, there now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely gargantuan. It is. It is. And it's funny, I, I lose interest when you start talking about some of those mods. Like, I've seen some of them that I think experimented with a few in in a kind of a very loose way. But I was like, no, there, there, there's something um, nice about the simplicity of the old school minecraft experience not even going down the kind of the route of completing minecraft as you mentioned earlier and trying to fight and kill the the ender dragon like i don't even fuck with that stuff i just like having a space and building out that space and getting familiar with the world around me and the uh the, and i don't know literally as, as the name would suggest mining for reasons like it, it's the simple pleasures jones it's the simple things i think uh, you would get down yeah. with pixelmon i reckon pixelmon oh that's going to be a pokemon it's a pokemon in mod yeah, I just don't. I just don't care that much. Like, I don't. Uh, this is the thing. Like Minecraft, I'm gonna almost contradict myself here because Minecraft did make a very solid, like, base level foundation for other things to build on top of. And mods are a perfect example of how you can take Minecraft and turn it into something completely different, or un unrecognizable, but still um, do so very successfully. And yet, at the same time, I don't need, nor necessarily even want Minecraft to be anything that it isn't already. Um, yeah, and I'll like especially when you get into mods of like, what if Minecraft was like Pokemon? And I just kind of sit there going, yeah, but at the moment for me, Minecraft is like Minecraft, and Pokemon is like Pokemon, and I have both those things already. Why do I need um, them to meet? Yeah, what? Yeah, and I was about to use a really bad example. I was about to try and think of an example of food and saying it's like someone going, what if pizza was a dessert? And then I realized that dessert pizza is really fucking nice because sometimes they're just using Nutella instead of. Yeah, tomato sauces like the spread, and then you're in real trouble. Um, but the right kind of trouble, you know. What I mean? Yes, a di a diabetic kind of trouble, if you will. But um, well, hey, there you go. Anyway, there's our there's our little uh, back look at the um, you know, what, what was the thing the the TV show that, that we used to have in the UK? Like, this is your life. This is Minecraft. This oh. is your life for three hundred million uh, sales. I should say I don't think I mentioned. So the next biggest game, I I said it was um. 100 million sales over the next biggest game the next biggest game is gta 5 is with 185 million sales so which is that's insane like minecraft's nearly doubled the sales of gta 5 um which yeah. is in the second spot of the most sold game which is absolutely uh, is that is that with the asterisks of kind of like sales that we can track and quantify in the sense that like wikipedia at this stage i think is probably trying to give up has given up trying to keep track of how many copies of tetris and across oh. various platforms and stuff like that that there are including i don't know like weird free ios knockoff versions all that kind of shit it has to be right i don't think they could track it also i imagine as well there's got to be like free like free games that people manage to get hold of and play in different versions as you've said like tetris things like yeah. that over the years if you added up all of those i mean you're probably in the billions but yeah how how would you track it so so the, we're going with registered sales however the hell they track it the people with the numbers <laughs> they tell us where what they are so yeah well done basement dwellers who edit wikipedia who know all who know all indeed um do you know there are some other people that know all jamie yeah they, they? Know, they know all because they're our patrons 
over at patreon.com. They're the ones with the, uh, the inside edge. Um, and I would like to talk about them right now because they're epic and they keep our channel going. They keep the lights on. They keep us coming back week after week. Um, genuinely, thank you very much to all of our patrons. Um, there are some names on screen right now, but I would also like to read out um, some names. They are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Ice Knob Rock Salt, Jesper Camdown Nielsen, Pastors Guild, and the big dogs. I'm talking Bretzy, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw McCreed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Um, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for supporting our channel. Thank you for keeping us going. Uh, our little train that could keep it <laughs> chugging along the tracks. Oh, God. Can it? I feel, I don't know, maybe. If you say so, I'll have to take your word for it. It can at the moment. The the, uh, the old carriage on the back is getting lighter and lighter as uh, we lose yeah. some of our um, cargo. Our train is like Santa's sleigh in the film Elf, which is that it, it literally runs on belief. The more people who believe in the future of the Super Show podcast, the more juice we've got. Like, shall, I, um, shall I tell a joke for the uh, the, for the patrons? Oh, please. Uh, as, a, as a little thank you. Please do. Um, Okay, I saw this bloke Jonesy the other day. He was actually um, chatting up a cheetah, of all things. I thought, God, he's trying to pull a fast one. Very good. Very good. Uh, so I think that should be a new feature. I think we should do a like dad joke. A dad joke. Uh, is, well, I don't know what you call it. I mean, like a dad joke thing. At some point I don't know. The, um... for, for, yeah, for, any, for anyone that's wondering where this has come from, in the in basically the way this podcast works in sort of the half an hour to forty five minutes uh, before we go live, Jonesy does a, a an astronomical amount of work by creating thumbnails and setting up the live stream and making sure everything's going to work and that there are titles and that there are tags and that the people who join in the chat are meted and greeted and so on and so forth. And I sit here uh, on a Discord call with Jonesy singing Christmas carols. And and oh, on tonight was such an evening where I got a bit bored with the Christmas carols and found that you can play Discord sounds and because of the way that we stream this show that that means the people at home would be able to hear them too. So I just told Jonesy, what do you say, like nine or ten jokes back to back before before we started? Yeah, you, and more than that, I <laughs> felt oh, like there twenty. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there were twenty. Um, I mean, but no, I thought it was very good and. Uh, don't sell, sell yourself short. The reason it, um, I spend longer doing more work is because it takes me longer, and you're much quicker than I am. Uh, so, that, so there we go. Don't uh, don't sell yourself short at all. Um, I'm going to have to give a little shout out, Jamie. For, I'm, I'm assuming this is for your epic joke. Randall Flagg okay. has just uh, super chatted us five pounds. Oh wow! Well, thank you, Randall. Is there a That's, message, or is it just? I think it, it was just a... purely because of that, your amazing joke. So there you go. Oh wow! Thanks very much. Here's, here's one for you, Randall. I uh, I rang up my local swimming baths the other day. I said, uh, hello, is that the local swimming baths? They said, it depends where you're calling from. That just That's just accurate. Is that even a joke? Well, okay. That would be an um, accurate way to respond, wouldn't it? Depends. Okay, well, what, what about the time when I went to the gym the other day? Um, and I said to the gym instructor, can you teach me how to do the splits? And they said, well, that depends how flexible you are. I said, I can't do Tuesdays. That was that was good. I like that. Oh, Josie, I'm not even getting a laugh out of you anymore. I I was thinking as you were saying that that if we did a try not to laugh, I don't think I'd be very good. And I was that was a little test bed to see if I could not. 
but I apologise. I, mean, I imagine doing a sound job so far of making me look like a right plank. I was laughing on the inside. So yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, that's going to be the name of your memoir, isn't it? Laughing on the inside, the oh, Alex goodness. Jones story. I feel like I laugh externally a lot as well. I feel, I feel like I'm a, uh, a, a happy, laughy person. Um, but do you know what? I don't want to hear more jokes out of you, Jamie. I want to hear what you've been playing this week. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> um, that was a hard pivot. Yeah, it's a hard pivot. I, I, you know, a smarter person than me would have come up with jokes that I can make about the games I've been playing. Um, I've, and you know what? I haven't been playing much. It does feel a little bit like it's the... It's odd to say this in the middle of October, given how busy a month it's been, but it is kind of, I think, for you and I, the calm before the storm. There is obviously a big release coming out uh, imminently that we're going to be talking about shortly. Um, those of you who've seen the thumbnail of this live stream or video will know exactly what we're talking about. And I think not long after that, I've got Alan Wake 2, and those are both titles that I have pre-ordered digitally on my PlayStation 5, and so we'll have no choice but to play. Um, and that basically meant that this week was about getting shit done. And um, the only thing that I got done that I wanted to briefly touch back on, because I have some slightly more... Hmm. I've necessarily got a few more hot takes to offer, but uh, you know, my, my feelings on it are a little bit more well-rounded. And that's Assassin's Creed Mirage. Yeah. Um, all I wanted to say was that... I, I think Assassin's Creed Mirage is a solid game, and if you're looking for like a solid seven out of seven or eight out of ten Assassin's Creed title, you're probably not going to be disappointed. Um, but I talked a little bit last time about how I was worried that they were potentially underutilizing uh, the character of Basim, yeah. who is of course the protagonist in Mirage. And I think I, I described last week as having like some of the most rich and interesting kind of like narrative uh, elements associated with him in the entire series history, and so regrettably. So, so uh, just in case people don't know, so because originally Mirage was going to be uh, DLC for um, Valhalla, wasn't it? So it wasn't necessarily. Um, maybe they weren't planning on you know filling out that character as well and as ra more roundly as they could. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so go on. No, but see that therein almost lies the problem because even if I gave them the benefit of the doubt and said right, Mirage began life as Valhalla DLC. And as such, like maybe they're going to pad it out a little bit to make it run at least the 20 hours or however many they feel like it needs to last. And that means that the middle of the story is going to feel stretched or perhaps a bit meandering, but that the beginning and the end should still harken back to the original, you know, elevator pitch for this DLC and should therefore still deliver something meaningful on this character. And fundamentally, it doesn't. Like what a lot of my disappointment was with was that once the kind of, once the Assassin's Creed Mirage has, you know, it establishes its reason for existing, for want of a better way of putting it. It gives Basim something to do and something to focus on while he spends some time in Baghdad. And then, as you'd expect, gets towards the end of that journey and it starts to reincorporate elements of, you know, Basim's broader character, his backstory, where you know he's going to end up because he's a major player in Valhalla. And I thought there were some really interesting opportunities to kind of make Mirage be that missing link. Um, in the arc for what is increasingly becoming one of the more important characters in Assassin's Creed lore, which I know most people don't care about, but I still do just a little bit. Um, and I think that they really did nothing interesting with it at all, to the point where the next title could be another Basim-led game that immediately follows on from Valhalla. And if people ask me, do I need to play Mirage? I'd say no. Okay. Do you think that's because the problem they've got is they you already know where he ends up in Valhalla, so their hands were tied a little bit? 
But given where he starts in Mirage, how he gets to where he is in Valhalla should have been so much more fascinating. Right. And it, and, it, and it's one of those things, like, what's the expression where it's like, it, something happens very slowly, but then all at once or something like that? Right. Okay. Um, no, you it's, it's, it's basically one of those where, like, Basim is just a, a you know, he's a street thief who end, ends up, you know, becoming a kind of, but he ends up becoming an assassin. We all know that much. Well, you know, if you watched a trailer or, you know, seen the kind of the premise of Mirage, and he's a, broadly speaking, a goody two shoes assassin who does what he's told until they realised, oh shit, the game is ending, and he's not the Basim he is in Valhalla yet. Right. And they get, and they get from A to B in an astonishingly fast amount of time. Um, like there's one point where a character, I, 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 I don't want to delve into spoilers, but there's one part where. Let's just say a character who has been extremely tied and committed to a particular cause and has been willing to kill countless people in the name of that cause for an entire game's narrative at one point is offered a different perspective on that cause or that individual's destiny by one of their own enemies and in one or two lines of dialogue they begin questioning everything they've ever done with their entire life and it's like oh, I hate you should that. be a little you should be a little bit more committed to what the player has been doing vicariously through you for this entire thing just because a, a baddie turned around and said haven't you ever wondered who you really are what and now you're just going to like throw it all I don't know it's like they had like they yeah it felt like they worked themselves into a corner then they had to work themselves back out of that corner right. and immediately jump from that new spot so it's a, it's just a bit of a mess and they try and spice it up with what at this point is one of the the oldest um like m night Shyamalan style twists in modern media history like anyone who's seen i don't i i can't i can't i can't say um but yeah they 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 pull some dumb shit and it, and it was also extremely predictable like M Night, right. one thing I will say about M Night Shyamalan stuff is that sometimes, more often than not, even it catches me off guard, and I'm like, oh, like Did, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Not With this, clear. I was this was a major twist, and I kid, where I kid you not, Jonesy, I was saying to myself going into the end of the game, if I haven't guessed the twist correctly, I'll be angry because that twist is the only justification for how stupid some of this stuff is. And, and it was right, and you were right, and I was right. Yeah, okay. I was right. Interesting, interesting. It's like it's a, it would be like, and this isn't the twist. I'm not spoiling. It, I promise for anyone. But it would be like watching The Sixth Sense, and The Sixth Sense being handled so poorly that you're sat there halfway through the movie going, "If Bruce Willis isn't a ghost, <laughs> then like this is a, the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they do it, and you go, "Okay, they did it." And you're like, "Okay, at least I was right, and at least it makes things make sense." So now yeah. you're annoyed because you were ho you were in the back of your mind, you're still hoping that there's a smarter twist you didn't see coming. But no, it was just the the, the obvious twist that you did see coming. Okay, no, I get, yeah. I get, I totally get where you come from. It's interesting because yeah. so with AC Mirage, I re I do really want to play it. Um, I yeah. didn't feel any need to play it like now, um, given totally. Spider Man coming out and a bunch of other games like recently that I've been playing. Um, but I will say that a lot of the stuff I've seen on social media, like shorts and, and little clips of the game, definitely has me uh, thinking that. I'm missing out to some degree. Like it looks really nice. Some of the stuff I've seen, some of the assassins, yeah. the assassinations look really nice. Some of the uh, the abilities you unlock um, do seem like they've they've moved a fair amount in that way in the game. They've definitely moved in that direction, but I would say like don't push it. You know, every now and then a game comes along and it's critically acclaimed, and everyone kind of unanimously agrees. Like, hey, you know, stop what you're doing, push something down, put the book down 
you know, pause the film, go and play this fucking video game. Like you need to... Assassin's Creed Mirage isn't those. Assassin's Creed Mirage is a game that becomes easier to recommend to people when they have a hankering for some Assassin's Creed in their life. Right. Um, so it sounds if you're at that me, point, then go for it. But if you're not, then you can wait. It sounds to me like the perfect kind of Christmas period game where you've got a couple of weeks off and you're, so you've played a couple of games and you're like, I'm sat around, I'm full of turkey, I've got a glass of wine on the go, and I just fancy playing something, you know, something familiar, but but cool, that I don't I feel like I have to rush. Which yeah. is usually Call of Duty for me, to be fair, uh, that time of year. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be for me as well, actually, because this year's Call of Duty is like a mid-November joint, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, AC Mirage, like... I just, I think, by 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 the nature of how narratives are constructed, Jonesy, their endings are usually the last things you see, and so in that sense, it has left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, and that's what I wanted to get across. But it, I, I have to defer to what I said at the top of that um, section, which is that fundamentally, it is still a solid seven or eight out of ten Assassin's Creed game, just with some shit that annoyed me, and that's fine. Fair. Um- well, I'll keep it very brief uh, for me this week. Um, the only thing I've actually played was after some uh, excellent advice to try out the demo from RoboCop. Um, oh, yes. Rogue City. Rogue City. Uh, I did indeed do that. And it was exactly as you described. So um, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not gonna take out anyone's time of going too heavy on it. Um, I, I, I do love what they've done. How, okay. how faithfully they've stuck to that RoboCop look and feel. Um, I think if you are into 80s action films, like like me, not only will you like love the fact that you get to delve into that, but you'll also suddenly think, as I started to do after I played the demo, like, oh, damn, I just wish they would do this with every 80s action film. Just have a, like a five-hour game where you can just be, you know, whatever character from the 80s and just like have a laugh, have a blast. Um, yeah. It lends itself really well, RoboCop, obviously. It's, it's perfect for um, a first person sort of like like you said slow methodical popping people's heads sort of a first person shooter that's exactly yeah. what it is um yeah those the sound effects yeah. the voice acting's great yeah everything was everything was good I, i'm wondering two things now first of all as this demo and your feeling around the game like moved up to a day one purchase for you no it's not okay maybe like is it wait for a sale is it I uh, it's it's a uh, oh maybe it comes to Game Pass or yeah sale maybe or maybe you know maybe not even a sale but maybe just like a, a couple of months after release and I'll I'll say to myself oh I I'd really like to play some more of that RoboCop game um and oh it's it's on uh, this is how I don't even know how much it would be but like you said it but I I definitely don't want it to be a eighteen hour long extravaganza I think the the length is going to be I think it's like five to eight hours or something um, I can't remember what you said I hope so. um, no I I don't I don't know. Oh, that you, what, that, right. That's almost what I hope it is because I I don't know how much I don't know how long I could play a game like that. I I could not stick with that for more than say five hours. I'm I'm talking like one and a half hours of getting into it, two to three hours of enjoying it, and then wrapping it up. Like let's wrap this up because that is a is a slow paced, methodical walking around like AI just jumping out at you shooting and you're just going head pop head pop head pop head pop. It's yeah. not it's not the most in depth shooter that i've ever played um no far from it nice but um, no, fun but yeah very cool very nostalgic uh ticks a lot of those boxes very nicely made from what i played i have something else that i now need to ask you as well just because you referenced it 
your top three picks for let's say 70s 80s and 90s action movies to get the robocop rogue city treatment uh you get three choices what are you going for some of them okay some of them i'll leave out because we've already got them as games so like alien okay. uh alien fire team i think we played with steph before and you get that well i could i could give you the option of going back across that territory if you think you have a a pitch that better suits it or if you didn't like what came before um no, see, I, I fight like Fire Team Elite was great. But I like, thought that was cool. Um, maybe so. I loved Alien vs Predator, the game back in the day. Um, mm. like, and I was blown away by how good I thought that game looked and played when it came out. And this is the '90s that I played that. But I would, I would like to see a game where you get to play as Predator, um, made with the, that sort of Robocop treatment. Uh, Starship Troopers for me is such an easy, like, easy one. Give me that on a PlayStation Five or a you know modern like PC build. A really nice looking, um, uh, nice looking game. I just think that'd be fun, like epic fun to play. You know, with with mates online, that'd be wicked. Um, oh, what else would I want to play? Maybe. Hmm. I used to quite like the old Terminator games, um, like Terminator Two, the old arcadey style ones. So something like that might be fun. But then again, that's a little bit close to RoboCop, so maybe not. Maybe I would go with. Do you know? Okay, I don't know how it would work as a game, but like something like Demolition Man would be quite fun. I was I was waiting for you to say Demolition Man. <laughs> I think that I I'm, I also don't know what the the kind of the hook would be, but it is a it is a ripe piece of source material for something. You because you can have loads of melee combat, and he's just got the glow rod. And he's like fighting hand to hand, and then he's like kabunk, and just yeah, like maybe like out. a maybe um something like quite like simple and short like Sifu was, but with a demolition, but demolition modified. Yes, and then the it's all the whole game is melee combat, and then the last level you bust into the museum, you get the guns, and you just get to go ham. <laughs> that would be wicked. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. Can I kind of throw out a few other uh, shouts out there? Yeah, of course. Who are you thinking? What about? Uh, well, actually, I was about to throw a developer out there, but I'm not sure if that would turn you on or put you off. I was thinking, what about giving From Software the Highlander um, license? Oh, that that would be pretty sick. Giving um, giving CD Projekt Red the Blade Runner license. Um, yeah, yeah, they they would be all over that. There's a few more Arnie ones. Um, obviously, we've had plenty of Terminator games over the year, but the Running Man and Commando, Running Man. If you could make Running Man somehow make that a gate a service game with like online multiplayer elements, I, I, there's there's something in that, there, or an asymmetric, yeah, yeah. maybe like an asymmetric uh, game where someone gets to be the, you know the um, who's the who's the guy the governor uh, the the American governor who was in Running Man who was like one of the the big baddie at the end of that. Jim, was it Gus? No, no, no. It was because of the V. Oh, he's he's in loads of stuff. Begins with a V. Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. If you could have an asymmetric game with Jesse Ventura as like the bad guy, and then you had a load of people who were playing different running men characters, yeah, I think that would be sick. If you, that would be really nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, what what about like you know how we're getting into the stage now where and uh, don't get me wrong we all play Titanfall two and so we know it was doable prior but you know how people are talking about how SSDs allow you to do stuff like having 
two versions of a world that exist simultaneously and you can flick back and forth between the two. Yeah. And again, I know you don't need an SSD to do it. There'll be so, so many games have done that. But something like that with They Live, where like you're instantly oh. loading into different versions of um that yes, that'd be very cool. Yeah. So uh, somebody in chat said uh, Gremlins. That'd be pretty cool. Gremlins, That's a yeah. Gremlins game. Yeah. Uh, Viva Pinata but Gremlins. I don't know how that actually would actually work, but yeah. Escape from New York, uh, Cobra, uh, Bloodsport, Beverly Hills Cop. I feel like a lot of these sorts of games, the, the problem they have is if you wanted to actually, sorry, with these films even, if you wanted to make games out of them, you're talking like Last of Us level production values to get a decent game, which is why the Robocop yeah. game lends itself so well is because it's such a simple concept, um, which is why I think like Starship Troopers, and I think uh, someone else in chat said Starship Troopers Extermination is in early access. I didn't. Even, I haven't even heard of that. So that is epic. Yeah. Um, but a game like that just lends itself to video. A film like that lends itself to video games. A lot of these other ones. So like I say, Demolition Man. But realistically, imagine they tried to make Demolition Man the game, and unless they did like you said and made a seafood style, you know, short melee well, combat game, it's it's gonna be I, too tough. No one's. Gonna I feel it. like there is maybe a bit of a trend of that emerging when you consider like we talked. We talked about Robocop. We talked about Starship Troopers. Mike Bithell made that weird kind of like a uh, visual novel Tron game, right? Was, oh, was that was this, um, uh, uh, the most like, recent one? Yeah, that was fairly recent. And there's also, do you remember from the last um, Annapurna Interactive Showcase, they revealed that the first ever Annapurna in-house developed game is a Blade Runner game. Um, ah, right, remember that, yeah. tra- that, that was from a... So stuff is happening where people are going to these licenses and saying, hey, we can make, we can take like this sort of triple i like level of uh, game development that's sort of like been established over the past uh, you know decade or two and you know apply maybe not quite as popular as they once were licenses to that framework and maybe gets me out of it i don't know they'll, they'll be the first ai completely ai games is when you can just feed in everything that's been written about them online and the film itself and then tell an ai to make the game and they'll just like but pop you out a fully built game with slightly wonky looking hands and some dodgy mechanics at the other end. And they'll be like, there you go. There's your 80s, 80s movie game. Be happy. And you'll be like, oh, all right. Maybe they'll finally make a good E.T. game. I mean, yeah, again, I don't know what that looks like, but I could believe it. Yeah, me either. <laughs> don't, I don't think there is a good game in there, but you never know. You never know. Again, you, you'd, you'd have to rip off something else. But I'm trying to think, and I, and I can't. He's sight bike. Um, shall we move on to talk about something which is, um, well, Jamie should be very good. Not an, not an ET bad, but a very good. And what you're trying to say, Jonesy, is we're about to talk about a video game that won't have countless copies of it buried in the middle of a desert at some point. Absolutely not. And it won't decimate the gaming industry for uh, decades to come. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Spider-Man 2, um, which comes out on Friday, uh, which is in um, four days' time as we're recording this. Um, it comes out on Friday, the 20th, but the reviews are out today. Um, and at the moment, it is sitting at a very healthy 91 on Metacritic after 120 uh, critic reviews. One of the reasons I think wanted to talk about this, um, and I did a really bad explanation of, of saying to Jamie <laughs> myself for this, was because there's been some interesting argy-bargy around spider-man i think um after starfield came out and people sort of suggesting that it was um uh a little tired and not pushing the envelope enough and interestingly some of the um 
some of the lines from critics, whilst positive on the whole with the reviews, we have actually seen some of this bear out in some of the reviews. Like we've had reviews that say this game is fantastic. This is the best game um, I play on the PlayStation 5. There are other reviewers which have kind of said that actually Insomniac Games have maybe played it a little too careful. Um, and they've effectively made a very good sequel, but they haven't done as much as they should have done um, with the franchise going forward. Um, which is interesting I, where do you sit on this, Jamie? Are you hoping for a pushing the envelope game, something totally different, or are you perfectly happy with uh, an iteration on that Spider-Man Miles Morales? Man, I, I I feel like there are two voices in my head battling out. There's the the side of there's the video game I want Spider-Man to to be, or the kind of sequel I guess I want it to be, and there's the kind of sequel it needs to be. Or, or or inevitably will be just based on the circumstances under which it was made. You know the, the the speed of the turnaround, how busy Insomniac kind of are, and also the fact that like when you make something like the original Spider-Man, I'm sure you have lots of ideas and there are lots of things left on the cutting room floor for ways of improving that formula and ways of like re-engaging players and trying to uh, build on some of the components of that game that were perhaps uh, not received quite as well. But at the same time, you like you can't reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, it's sometimes when I think about back to the and I, we talked about this loads on the podcast, and I, I try not to get too sidetracked when I when I'm, as I do it. But when I think back to like the previous generation, especially as game development times were a lot faster, and so you know studios could churn out more games and sequels came out at a, at a greater clip. There were lots of you know lots of new IPs at the beginning of that generation that then turned into series, and the defining games of those series were the sequels. And we talk about them all the time, like the weird phenomenon about how Uncharted 2 was most people's favourite Uncharted, Mass Effect 2 was most people's favourite Mass Effect, you know, and Dead Space 2 and Dead Rising 2, and uh, there are lots and lots of examples. Bi Bioshock 2 is one of the only examples of like something that doesn't fit that formula, you know? There were Saints Row 2. Like, there were just a lot of... There were a lot of really good 2s. Um, but a lot of those cases, especially when it came to and again, some people are going to disagree with me here, but especially when it came to, um, what's it like? I don't know, like Saints Row and Mass Effect and and Uncharted. There were like there were problems with hindsight with the first, like they they were very much kind of not rough around the edges, but those first attempts at making entry points into those series were like they were a bit un, unpolished. Like they the developer perfect. hadn't really seen, yeah, and the, and the, the 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 full promise and the full potential of those games hadn't really been seen out yet and why i think so many games um were assassin's creed 2 how did i forget that like a lot of those games were like assassin's creed is maybe like the, the perfect example of like something like you could totally see what it's getting at um and you all ubisoft did would have to kind of like uh, all it do was pick up the slack and make something that kind of was um was really sort of like firing all cylinders for the sequel which, don't get me wrong, it's, still, it's always going to be easier said than done, but a lot of developers that generation were able to do it. Spider-Man, for as much as uh, we were looking at earlier, did end up at an 87 on Metacritic. Um, this is the Spider-Man that came out in 2018. It didn't really feel like one of those games, because in many respects, you look at the traversal, especially the web swinging, you look at the combat and how fluid that felt, you look at the, you know, the, the, the versions that they were able to create of their version of Peter Parker and their version of Otto Octavius and and, and 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 the whole surrounding cast and crew. And you kind of looked and you're like, do you know what? Insomniac haven't done a huge amount wrong here. Um, and, and the things that they did do wrong, 
or or maybe didn't quite nail were the open world, um, some elements of kind of repetitive side content, and not really being able to take advantage of that space. Um, but then, by the same token, while that was one of the major complaints, it was also a game where the swinging was so fun that a ridiculous number of people kept swinging even after the credits had rolled and got platinum trophies, you know, according to the percentages. So it, it was swings and roundabouts. And I can see why, like, Spider-Man and going into now Spider-Man 2, it wasn't quite a series or an you know, original title that was positioned in some of the same ways we talk about games from yesteryear to build upon and make something radically new. And in that sense, I kind of had my expectations in check. And I just wanted something that just... I, 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 kind of wanted, was, I kind of was willing to accept more of the same coming into this. Not least of all because I was excited about where I knew Insomniac would be able to take some of the narrative hooks that they set up in the previous two games. The idea of Peter and Miles working together. And obviously, like we've had all the teasers up to this point with regards to Venom, with regards to the symbiote suit... Peter's changing personality as a result of the symbiote suit. There were enough hooks there that if... Fuck it, Josie, if you'd offered me, like, something that was identical to Miles Morales, but with the, that new narrative, I would have played it. I needed to see where it went. And so everything else is a bonus. And when I think about, you know, the possibilities of the symbiote suit, when I think about um, the, the the wings that, that they'd gotten as, like, a new um, uh, sort of element to add to the tra traversal, which was, I think, already best in class... I'm 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 really quite satisfied with what it's the package. It sounds like we're gonna get. Um, I I can't even remember, I can't even remember your question. I'd, no, it, it was you, what you to, sort of hoping. You need to get you need to get better at interrupting me, James. Sorry, I, I just I just I just lose my way. I, I was I was enjoying your uh, what you were saying. Um, I think I completely agree with you. The because I think for me, like realistically, the takeaway from Spider Man and Miles Morales was like I actually loved the games. Um, I love what I was doing. I love the mechanics. I loved how they played. I loved how they felt. I loved so much about them. Yeah. But some of the things that I wanted to change would have literally been, I, th I feel like the narratives kind of just lost me a little bit. They weren't that engaging, like the main story arcs and things. But that's always a problem with like superhero games because at the end of the day, they are comic books, you know, comic book inspired and they have to sort of, they follow this kind of odd, um, bizarre narratives um, that aren't that, they're not like, they're not like the most um thrilling when it comes to sort of like what's happening to people and what's going on don't get me wrong like very cool characters but the way they introduce them and you get to interact with them maybe could have been a little bit better i think they maybe did um they just needed to do like a bit more for me with some of the main story quest stuff um but the side the side missions the way you were the combat and everything i thought was really cool uh the step up when you played miles morales and the gadgets and stuff and his powers i thought were very cool um so it's like, to me, yeah, they don't need to do a massive amount. They just need to have a good, engaging main story. Um, they just need to chuck in a few more powers and it needs to look slick as, like, as fuck. Because it's a, because it's on the PlayStation 5 completely. It's a brand new game. It needs to look amazing. It needs to feel amazing. And apparently, um, by what some of the reviewers have said, they've made a real good use of the PlayStation 5 hardware. Um, they've, like you said, they've got more... Um, uh, I, 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 I'm sure people remember, but when they first bought out the PlayStation 5, one of the things they talked about was how Insomniac Games kept referencing the fact that the hardware, the the hard drive in the PlayStation 4, was a limiting factor on the swing speed for Spider-Man because they couldn't load in the assets quick enough um, yeah. in order to have him swing faster. So then, of course, the question becomes, well, so how fast can you swing now? Or how fast can you move around the city well, now? It's I think it's the wings now that kind of are taking up that mantle. I don't know if you, how much footage of the game you've seen. I've but seen some, some of the speeds. Yeah, some of the speeds that you can pick. It got to the point where actually 
I don't know if you watched uh, or listened to Skillup's review yet, but he actually says that for as well integrated as they are and for as good as they feel, the web wings, I think they might be called, but I can't remember exactly, actually ended up being a negative for him right. because they were so fast and so convenient that they made swinging obsolete at times. And then it's that classic thing or where and he, he almost has a conversation with himself where he goes, well, then some people might argue, if you'd rather swing, why don't you just swing? And those yeah. people are right. I should just swing. So why am I complaining about it? I don't even know. He has that classic conversation. Just don't I'm do the thing him. you don't want to do. But I'm with him, though. We've talked about this with, uh, with Starfield yeah. Yeah. very recently because it was like, why, if you don't want to use the fast travel and you can just you fly your ship, why just fly your ship? Don't push the button. Don't push the button. But it's insanely hard when you're standing in a cave with the thought of a 10-minute walk to not just push the button and go fast travel, please. Oh, it is. And so, and I, yeah, I'm completely with skill up on the idea of, you know, how do you resist using the wings? Um, but then, to be fair, like, at the same time, once you've used the, done the swinging a lot, and they, they've done a lot, apparently, in this game as well to make the uh, traversal just, like, more fun in a lot of ways as well. Like, I think they've added new stuff, new flips, new, like you said, wings and everything um, to yeah. just, like, make it a little bit more exciting. Um, so they, you know, I don't think they need to do masses I just think it needs to be a new good fleshed out story um, one thing I did get tired with in Spider-Man was the um, repetitive nature of the enemies like they were, you saw the same enemy types again and again apparently they've done a lot of work on introducing new factions and new enemy types and things which is all great um, yep. yeah I, I, I just like I said, one of the reasons I wanted to cover this this week is because I'm excited to see how all of this falls apart over the course of the next week and to see what people actually, like the public say and how they respond to what the critics have said um, and how if people genuinely are where I'm at and where I think you're at, which is, hey man, we want an, we, we're perfectly happy where Spider-Man's at. We just want a new iteration on that. We're not looking for them to change everything um, and to make a yeah. new game. I think it's going to be classic internet fare. I think you're going to see it from both sides, right? Um, there is a part of me, and I might be wrong here, I don't know if you feel the same way, that thinks that that noise and the pushback might not be as big or as noticeable as we saw and felt with Starfield. Largely just because Starfield was, you know, a long-awaited game, you know, delayed a couple of times. It was seen as something of, you know... A, a, not like a saving grace for Xbox at this stage. They're definitely not in dire straits to that degree. But it was like it was a big name in the calendar for Xbox for a long, long time. As I said, a new IP from one of the most you know, important and powerful studios that Microsoft and Xbox had acquired in recent years. You know, you're, talk you're talking about essentially the follow-up to you know the a legacy that includes the Fallout series and, and the Elder Scrolls series. There's a lot riding on that. And I feel like there's a lot less riding on sequel to two already really fucking good games um yeah very true that like, they just feel like a known quantity and yeah some people on twitter um with uh, you know master chief uh, uh profile pictures will definitely say oh my god they just replaced the backpack collecting mini game with a spider bot collecting you know so open world objective lazy game design 101 but it's like it's just so easy to be reductive about this stuff um and it's very rare that I've ever played a recent Insomniac title and felt any desire to be reductive about the things that I could be reductive or pedantic about because there's often so much spectacle um, at the front and centre of their projects. And again, based on what I've seen so far, this doesn't appear to be any different. Uh, no, I w agreed. And it's only um, 
like I said, four days until we can find out for ourselves to see, um, you know, the spectacle on our own TV screens uh, as it comes out on Friday, yeah. the 20th. Um, but you've mentioned them there. Should we talk about Xbox a little bit more? Should we get into our next story? Um, yeah, let's do it. This is the, uh, I don't know if it was long awaited, but the inevitable um, signing off of uh, Xbox's um, buying of Activision has finally gone through. It's finally been greenlit. It's been stamped. Uh, people have ticked the box. <laughs> they've, uh, I don't know how many ways you can say they've completed the deal. But yeah, they as of the 13th of October. Cherry. Pop the cherry. There you go. As of the 13th of October, the deal's been finalized. Um, and so now uh, they are um, all one. They are joined. <laughs> they are they are amalgamated. The Dalai Lama shown up. They're one with everything. Uh, we knew this was coming, obviously. Uh, well, we 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 anticipated it was coming. It seemed like just a formality at this point. Uh, but we thought maybe um, rather than talk about this deal, talk about you know what's gone on with it. Um, what might be fun to do is just to quickly um, go through all of the IPs that are now owned under the Microsoft umbrella um, because they are now uh, pretty pretty epic. So I'm I'm going to bore you with an entire list. I've got an entire long Kotaku list of all the different things that they own uh, that we can sort of blitz through. If I start to get really boring, just tell me, tell me, and I'll skip through some of them. Um, so I love this shit. Though. On the let's start with the because they are now right. Let me get this right. They are under the umbrella now. Falls Activision, Blizzard, which obviously Activision Blizzard King, uh, yeah. Bethesda, Zenimax. And then yeah. Xbox and Microsoft. So we're going to break it down because Kotaku have done a lovely job of breaking this down by the each individual um, individual company. So under the Activision Blizzard umbrella, you've got 3D Ultra Pinball, Call of Duty, Call to Power, Crash Bandicoot, Dark Rain, Diablo, Extreme Paintball, Front Page Sports Baseball, Gabriel Knight, Geometry Wars, Guitar Hero, Gun, Hearthstone, Heavy Gear, Heretic, Heroes of the Storm, Hexen, Interstate 76, King's Quest, Laura Bow, Mystery Series, The Lost Vikings, Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX, Overwatch, Phantasmagoria, Pitfall, Police Quest, Prototype, Quest for Glory, SWAT, Singularity, Skylander, Soldier of Fortune, Space Quest, Spyro, Starcraft, Tenchu, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, True Crime, Ultimate Soccer Manager, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, and Zork. That is just under the Activision Blizzard banner. Yeah. That is, is there anything what? anything that leaps out at you there? You're like, well, the, the the thing that leaps out at me beyond any individual game is how much Activision uh, on the you know strictly looking at their side of that split really dropped the ball in allowing themselves to slowly you know slip to the point where they're essentially just a Call of Duty machine because there are some fantastic um, franchises there, some of which died for very good reasons. Um, uh, bring other bring which back gun, shout out. Well, like Gun's a fantastic example of like that. I, there's a lot of nostalgia tied to that name, but like, what do you do with it? Who do you go to again in house now, first party, to, because that's you know how this is going to have to work for it to make sense. Who do you go to to say in a post Red Dead Redemption Two society, bring back, make Gun Two, Arcane. and make it worth anything? Make, but why would you get Arcane to make a let, Gun? Let game? them let them save face. Make them get get them to make a really good gun game. But how how are you make how how are Arcane saving face by making a sequel to a, like an average but largely forgettable Western person shooter? It's fair. It's fair. Um, like this that I think that's the thing that's fascinating about all this. Like I I've said a number of numerous times in the past. Like I'd love Prototype to come back. 
how, I don't oh, really God. know. Do you, know, you know who would make a wicked prototype game? Now, this is me obviously uh, assuming it could be a good prototype game, who aren't, unfortunately, part of Microsoft. Uh, Insomniac would make a sick prototype game. Yeah, they'd probably do it. They'd probably do a great job. In fact, they'd definitely do a great job. Who am I kidding? They've, but they've, you're right. They've right. just released one, or well, they're just releasing one this week with some <laughs> prototype I mean, elements. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But you're but you're also right in saying that the the first party element like complicates it slightly more, and it feels like it's been so long since you know the fucking I don't even know like the Beanoxes and the Treyarchs of the world have been able to make something else that we don't really know kind of. What do those teams want to make? What do they want to do? One thing I do think is that it's going to be incredibly funny when the next Crash Bandicoot and Spyro games come out and they are Xbox exclusives. Yeah. It's going to be very funny to see PlayStation fans uh, squirm uh, as that happens. Um, and the only other thing I've got to say, and it's slightly uh, topical because it was supposedly mentioned by name by, um, uh, what's his face? The guy who's the C Activision CEO who's staying on. Bobby until the new year. Bobby, um, at the meeting where all this was being discussed and confirmed, supposedly Guitar Hero was mentioned in that speech or in some, I don't know if it was in... I would love a guitar. We've we've talked about this on the show before, though. We've said we'd both love a Guitar Hero, a proper Guitar Hero returning, um, as it should uh, in yeah. age, modern day. Totally. It would be incredible. I... I Part of me really would like be nervous that they do something really stupid about it with it. Like they release a free to play Guitar Hero game with a tie-in Guitar Hero app, and you use your iPhone as like a touchscreen to push down the frets. No, don't even use, say that. And it, and it uses like infrared to tell if you're strumming, and it's like no, no, no. Um, I get to uh, so I get I do have I get to, I have an app which which scratches my Guitar Hero itch. But that's because I have an actual guitar and on my app it listens to the sound and you can like, and it works exactly like Guitar Hero does. But it just goes to show, like I had so much fun playing those games and playing Rock Band back in the day. And we've said so many times like, surely the barriers to like licensing and stuff can be overcome, especially in the modern world, especially when you look at like um, uh, music services and how they work. Like if you could get like Spotify Guitar Hero or like Amazon Music Guitar Hero, like surely they can make something like that work. Yeah. Guitar Hero, the last one, um, was it Guitar Hero Live, had some really interesting ideas where they would essentially create these fake TV channels. And what they would do on there was they would run music videos back to back um, and you would play along with them. And it wasn't okay. quite the full experience because it wasn't like they go through the process of getting the stems from the master and like lowering and raising the volume for different things and but it was still kind of gave you a bit of a feeling of like you were just playing a game and playing along to a song and you would just be able to put on one of those channels and sit there and play songs that you hadn't like bought or owned or anything like that so that there's definitely something there um i i i don't know what it looks like but yeah i hope they figure it out also get vicarious visions back together somehow and allow them to make a tony hawks three plus four remake Bring back, bring back true crime. I don't care which streets of wherever, streets of Atlanta. I don't give a shit. Just bring it back. Um, someone make a new Soldier of Fortune game so we can shoot people's limbs off again. Um, <laughs> I was, then, um, I'd, yeah, I'd, maybe SWAT. I th see. I bring back a uh, Space Quest. I'm all about that. Yeah, the Space Quest. Do it. Okay. <laughs> but it's gonna be some point and click goodness. Uh, all right. Let's move on to King because we're only part of the way through. This was, that was a partial list, of King, course. King is King is skippable. 
King is I'm not King at- is not skippable. King the reason King King is not is because okay, look. I know one of these games and they're all called the fucking same thing. <laughs> Whilst there is a totally legitimate type of gaming and these are gamers who play these games so we are not going to skip king also it's worth an absolute fortune uh the amount of money they make off this stuff so we'll, we'll blitz through it it's a short one it's a short list okay so king we're talking it's obviously the mobile game developer if in case people aren't sure so we're talking alpha i'm not going to say saga for all of these because they're all they all end in saga so alpha betty blossom blast bubble bubble witch candy crush diamond digger farm heroes hoop de loop papa pear paradise pepper pepper panic Pet Rescue, Pyramid Solitaire, Rebel Riders, Scrubby Dubby, and Shuffle Cats. So uh, shout out to those of the mobile gamers out there who uh, love any of those. Um, but no, let's quickly move on to Bethesda Zenimax. Um, Wait, so hang on. No, Jonesy, you don't have a bold new vision for the future of Scrubby Dubby Saga. <laughs> I've never played Scrubby Dubby Saga. Uh, why are they all sagas? That's what I don't get. Are they just like, I don't know. Is that what they try? I'm more I'm more fascinated by the fact that Rebel Riders isn't a saga game, and what does that mean what for does them? That mean it's coming. The Rebel Riders saga is coming. That's what it means. Um, but under the Bethesda Zenimax banner, we've got Commander Keen, Deathloop, Dishonored, Doom, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Hi-Fi Rush, Prey, Quake, Rage, Redfall, Starfield, The Evil Within, and Wolfenstein. Uh, that is that is a banging list. Fantastic list. Fantastic. Made them all fantastic by the fact that Bethesda have done a decent job of keeping up to date with a lot of these IPs and making them relevant in the modern day. So we're not sat here so your heads imagining what they would look like. We know what most of these things look like. Kind of the opposite to Activision Blizzard. Like oh, those those are all super current IPs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even if they've had to go about it in weird ways, like, you know, Prey was an example of like a game, a, a title that was rebooted and something that didn't really look like the original. Rage, you know, they they made a sequel to Rage, but again, the amount of shared DNA with the original, you know, questionable. Um, in terms of what I'd like to see, the only the only thing I'm really desperate to see more, I want more Doom and I want more Wolfenstein, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, you know that those are coming as well. You know you won't have to wait forever to get those. They, they, I mean, they, they haven't said the word Wolfenstein on stage for a long time at this point. That's true, but then, but then I've got to assume that's because... They are going to soon. It's, and because machine games are making indie. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, I forgot it was machine games that are making Indiana Jones. That, we need to see more of friggin' Indiana Jones, or man. Where are oh, we, we definitely Christ, do. Christ, like, stop keeping me waiting. Uh, all right, let's lastly go through um, the Xbox, Microsoft umbrella themselves. We've got Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, Banjo-Kazooie, The Bard's Tale, Battletoads, Blinks the Time Sweeper, Blue Dragon, Conquer, Costume Quest, Crackdown, Crimson Skies, Fable Forza, Gears of War, Halo, Killer Instinct, Connect Sports, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Midtown Madness, Minecraft, Perfect Dark, Pillars of Eternity, Project Gotham Racing, Psychonauts, RC Pro-Am, Rise of Nations, Sabermen, State of Decay, Thunder, Viva Pinata, Wasteland, and Zoo Tycoon. So another... Um, not as epic, but very good list. I mean, shout out to Killer Instinct. Yeah. Where's my modern Killer Instinct game? Come on. Isn't wait, isn't something happening soon with Killer Instinct? Is it coming Is it? back? Oh, I think something I think something might be I think something might be happening. I read I, I feel like there was a Killer Instinct headline inside the past six months. Um Do you know what what I what, like I, I would love to see there there are some they they're kind of it's interesting. If we talk about Bethesda as the uh, sort of publisher that's been able to keep a lot of their IPs relatively up to date. Activision is the one that's let a lot of them lapse. 
Xbox are the ones that are kind of in the middle on some of that stuff, where either recently or still to come, they have taken things like uh, like Battletoads got rebooted a couple of years ago. Of course. Um, Fab Fable's in the process of getting rebooted. Um, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator technically got rebooted. Perfect Dark is in the process of being rebooted. Um, you know, they, we have got sequels coming for State of Decay and presumably Halo and Gears are going to keep going and so on and so forth. Um, I'd like, to, I'd love to see someone have another crack at Crackdown when the time is right. Uh, I don't know when the time will be right, but I hope that time does come. Um, and I think Banjo-Kazooie and Viva Pinata, the two that stand out to me as kind of things that have been MIA for longer than they probably should have been, given how high quality even the most recent outputs were. I think it was Viva Pinata. I don't know if they went beyond Viva Pinata too. Um, and then Badger, because only nuts and bolts was a really interesting direction for that franchise. So, yeah, there's there's so, there's a lot of potential there. Is um, it almost, does it make you feel a little bit sad when you read all those when I read out all those games and you sort of think, how do we not have a new title coming for like every single one of these? Um, not specifically Microsoft, but like all of all of the ones. That we've just been through obviously there are some that we know there are ones coming but it does feel like there's a lot of ip which is sort of left on the shelf to some degree Dormant. yeah it does i i guess though that like the, the the more charitable way of looking at that is the sort of untapped or as yet unfulfilled potential you know areas for xbox to move into you know um, or maybe and... for a reason it's like no oh, yeah they don't want to do anything with it at the moment well yeah exactly like the, the... I don't think anyone's looking at Blink's the Time Sweeper and saying, "Oh God, why? Like, we need, we need, yeah, we need more Blink." Maybe, I'm, hey, some people probably are. They're probably on Twitter and they probably uh, are being ironic and trying to pass it off as, um, you know, being genuine. But I, I don't know. I, I still think it's even when you look at like what we know we've got coming in the uh, near or even kind of long term future, where you know things like Elder Scrolls start to come back into the mix. I think it's a really healthy. Um, I think it's a really healthy mix of known quantities and things that I'm excited to see more of as part of a continuation of what we've had recently, and things, especially when you factor in some of those long-time lapsed Activision IPs that are just, like, really, you know, ready to be kind of completely reimagined um, in a way that I hope is really exciting. And like I mentioned Fable, and I know we haven't seen much of it, but Perfect Dark and stuff like that, there are examples of Xbox, like, looking at things and saying, Let's give them to a studio that, like, let's give Fable to a studio that makes open-world racing games and say, like, hey, we want to see what you guys would do with this blank of a ca this blank of canvas, but in this very particular context. And I hope that that kind of thinking or logic is applied to the Activision stuff as well. And the, and as you kind of mentioned with Arcane, that there can be mixing and matching here. That, you know, like a Bethesda studio works on an Activision property and... And an Xbox, you know, a first part, a part of the um, Xbox Game Studios works on a, uh, yeah, whatever. However, surely it works that's out. the benefit of having so many developers under your roof, right? Is that you can do that. But you know, from my experience, different sort of families of companies see it in different ways. Some people see it as kind of like the perfect opportunity for just pure collaboration and having you know, access to as many different people from as many different sort of like backgrounds and. Um, sort of like talent brackets as possible working on any given title and sometimes companies find it slightly neater to, to allow um, 
you know the, the companies that they own to largely operate autonomously and keep their own identity and culture and branding and and IP and stuff like that. So it's gonna again, it's just gonna be an interesting part of how exports go. But the the fact that they do kind of consider it that there to be these three pillars, like Bethesda and Zenimax have been kept separate. Like when we go into E3, it's the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year it's the assuming things are ready to be shown, Xbox Bethesda Activision showcase. They'll probably come up with a more con like like tighter way of presenting it. But like there was nothing about the way Bethesda were acquired or any of Bethesda subsidiaries like like Arcane, as you mentioned, um, or Machine Games, that's been treated in the same way that Playground have been treated, or Undead Labs, or Ninja Theory, where they are now just very much baseball game studios, you know? Yes. So they're still going to have that separation, but it's going to be interesting to see what the collaboration and kind of sharing is between them, in spite of the fact that their pillars are very, um, you know, been kept apart. Um, I've got a final question then for uh, Xbox. Yeah. When does COD come to Game Pass? Man, that's a really tough one. Um, I want to say we, we we know from sort of like leaks and insider stuff that we, I think it's eight years um, that COD is still going to be um, coming to PlayStation 4. Was that was that the, what they said of, uh, finally, the thing that we heard? I, I can't remember. J J Jim Ryan did sign something in the end, didn't he? I believe so, yeah. I don't know if it was Jim himself, but like the, the figurative Jim Ryan. <laughs> the figure, yeah. Um, soon to be former head of SAE, I guess. Um. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the, the length of that deal was, and I like, also can't remember if and when Phil made any actual promises around the future of... like, Because I know that one thing that happened quite recently is they've been quite clear to say that games like Modern Warfare 3, which is the Call of Duty game coming out next month, and Diablo 4, which came out um, uh, on most platforms uh, in the summer, but only arrived on Steam, I think, this, like, this past week or something like that, are not going to come to Game Pass anytime soon. Like they're still trying to protect the the full scale premium purchases that are no doubt taking place across titles like that. But like at some point, at some point it will happen. Um, I just don't know exactly what it looks like. Like is it a case of the ne like next year's quality to game is just on Game Pass day one, or is it a case that Microsoft and Xbox just take advantage of the position they're in with regards to that next Call of Duty when it comes to things like, um obviously giving themselves marketing rights as not even a factor anymore. They're marketing their own game now, but like they can do what PlayStation have just done and have uh, exclusive windows for betas. They can have like a bunch of exclusive rewards. You could have additional perks or things like that. Like if you're playing Call of Duty as an active Game Pass subscriber, you might get certain skins given to you every now and then. Like that, there's a lot of ways that you can leverage what Call of Duty is in the modern age. Even at the moment, like on play, like there's a this year there's a 100 pound version of the game, and one of the perks of it is one week early access to the campaign. What if that was a perk of being a Game Pass subscriber rather than a perk of buying a 100 pound version of a game? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they leverage that stuff because I'd imagine there's a part of Phil Spencer that doesn't want to take what is more often than not year on year the best selling home console game in the world and essentially make it free on two platforms um two of its three platforms so I, I we'll see we'll have to wait and see um i just think it's going to be a slightly more complicated answer than call of duty some game pass now the 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 thing that it will be different is i think probably um what they might now call legacy call of duty titles you know i wouldn't be surprised if the um the activision backlog slowly starts to drip feed onto some version of either console 
or PC Game Pass or both um, in the coming weeks and months, and we'll certainly get a better, a better idea. I don't even know if the servers are still on for some of those old games. Maybe that maybe they start dropping like campaign only versions of old CODs onto Game Pass and shit like that. I just don't know. That that would be seriously cool. I think a lot of people would be into that if they did. Um, but then it does get interesting. Like you, it will be funny to think of, um, you know, when everything's sort of all said and done. Whenever you go onto your PlayStation and you play uh, any COD game, Warzone, you do any battle passes, anything like that, Microsoft are getting a slice of um, all that money, which is a uh, yeah, yeah, an inter- interesting, interesting angle. Um, talking about Sony, talking about um, PlayStation, let's move away from Microsoft um, because Sony um, have now announced officially that a smaller, sleeker PS5 is going to be launching uh, next month. So that's going to be coming out in november um they've officially announced it now after so we did have some leaks earlier in the year sort of saying something was coming um the smaller console will be uh the same spec as the current ones that are on um, store shelves at the moment so it's not going to be um a less powerful unit but it is going to be 30 percent smaller um which is which is nice because the playstation 5 is a little bit of a tubby beast so it will be nice having it a little bit slimmer with a detachable yeah. disc drive as well i'm um, what I believe, which is what I want, because um, I know my my PlayStation Five is currently got a bricked disk drive. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Yeah, so for for anyone that hasn't seen it, like the way it works is if you imagine the kind of the big white panels that that are set on either side of the PlayStation Five, those now have kind of like a slice through the middle of them almost, so you can detach part of, but not all of that panel. And if you have the disc, well, no, no matter which of these versions you buy, if you take off like the lower panel on the side of it that has the disc drive, you can physically remove the disc drive and then put a flat panel back on and it becomes the digital version. The same goes for vice versa. If you buy the digital version and then want to buy a Blu-ray disc drive in the future, the Blu-ray disc drive will be sold separately, albeit at a greater collective cost than just buying a version with a disc drive to begin with. But it, at least it gives people the option. Like, you know, if you get you buy a digital version of this, you know, slim console, and then your you know your grandma buys you a physical game in the future, you don't have to like throw it away or give it to a mate. You're like, oh well, maybe I'll buy a disc drive one day and I'll actually be able to play this. But yeah, you're right. The the, the fact that this is something that is going to over time replace current versions of the PS5 as opposed to sit alongside it suggests that like this isn't you know, the PS5 Slim as opposed to the PS5. This is just a new PS5 that is 30% slimmer and um, has a detachable disk drive and a slightly bigger hard drive, or SSD rather. Which is, I think, yeah, it's almost weird calling it a Slim. It's just like, it's, it's effectively a slightly better modular version of the PlayStation 5. And if, like you said, if you can have, you can buy the digital version, digital version and then add the disk drive later on, that's fantastic for them because obviously once you've bought a PlayStation Digital, you can't do that at the moment. Um, and so for them offering you the ability, the option, the ability to add on, you know, uh, I think it's 80, 80 quid, eighty dollars in the US, um, a Blu-ray drive, it just gives them an extra option to sell an extra piece of kit. And yeah, if it breaks, you can take it off and buy a new one, which will be very nice for people like me that have a uh, a busted drive that doesn't currently work at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wonder if there's a way that you, even as someone who owns a, 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 a disc version of the OG PlayStation 5 with a broken disc drive, 
can buy just the um, separate disk drive and I like, plug it in externally, like with a yeah, externally somehow. Like, is there like a weird like way of plugging it in via USB or something? I, I, I don't know, but. I'm not sure. It'd be, ni- it'd be nice if you had an $80 solution to your problem rather than a $450 solution. Well, I think realistically, I think I can send mine back and get it and hopefully get it fixed, which is what I need to do. But it's just like a matter of just being bothered to buy a box and put it in it and send it off, which is something that I do need to do. Um, something else we should also mention is that the new uh, Slim PS5 will come with one terabyte of internal storage, uh, which is an increase from the um, 800 gig that the original models came with. I mean... I suppose that's one Call of Duty, so you know you could <laughs> shock on there. Actually, when you put it that way, that's actually not so bad. Um, is it not uh, so bad? That to me is like just means that games are too big. But I suppose, hey, look, we've got. To I mean, that, right? game. You're right. Games are too big. Uh, that is, that is true, regardless of how you slice it. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it it. It totally makes sense. They're releasing this, you know, a few years after the original release. It's it's not actually changing anything. It's just making it a little bit smaller, um, and totally makes sense. Like, yeah, why the hell not? And obviously, we were talking recently about the fact that um, Xbox aren't going to be doing this. They're not going to be releasing any interim models or any interim versions of their consoles. Um, There's going to be that one refresh apparently in the leaks, right? The one that again is like the same thing where it's circular, uh, cylindrical now instead of a box. Uh, also has a bigger hard drive and fast, oh. like faster Wi-Fi. Okay, I totally forgot about that. that. Yeah, no, sorry, there's not going to do a pro version. That's what we're talking about. But yeah, I'm so getting, the, the game yeah mixed up. The the weird thing is, so that's Xbox are going to do that next year. But the rumor is still that PlayStation will have a pro next yeah. year. So that's where yeah, the, we will get a noticeable difference in hardware power. Well, then put that puts this in a little bit of a strange, this not not strange at all for for uh, for Sony. Like you know, it releases slim. Right before Christmas, twenty three, right the year before you release a pro, the following year, totally makes sense for them. But at the same time, like it's a little bit frustrating because, as someone who you know potentially might need to purchase a new PlayStation Five at some point in the near future, yeah. would I wait for the pro? Do I then, pull the trigger on the slim? Like it gets a little bit dumb. As weird as it sounds, like I actually that think that that's why calling this a PS Five Slim is really unhelpful because it makes it sound like a new product. What is the nice. mentality? I think yeah, people need to have this as not. There's a there's a reason that before we sat down to record this podcast, you didn't know this existed. Like, PlayStation aren't av- aren't going to advertise this as a new product. Half the time when consoles like this come about, it's because components that uh, are used in the manufacturing of these consoles have become smaller and become cheaper. And sometimes these are just a more either a efficient or b cost effective way to manufacture yeah. these consoles. It's just to switch things up. Exact thing, same thing happened on the PS4. Do you remember where the original PS4 was like it was much had much sharper, harsher edges, and it had like a gloss layer and a matte layer. And then they reworked the PS4 to be again much smaller. And that was when they made it all not quite. It was like basically all matte, um, no gloss, yeah. and it kind of had the rounded edges instead. And it um, it was like that was at the same time as the, the, the PS4 Pro, which was the triple stack. Excuse me. And then the regular PS4 was a double stack, and it was like, the yeah. One, the so one they, I always remember about that was the PlayStation 3, where they the original unit oh, they made a yeah. loss on every one, and then they rejigged it to to do a version which um, then lost its ability to do backwards compatibility because they changed mm-hmm. hardware for software to save money or something. I believe. Were there were there were there three PlayStation 3s in the end? Um, I want to. I want. Yeah, I think so because there was the original, 
Then there was the one which, like I said, was the change with the software hardware. And then there was a smaller version, right? The and then there was a, the, that final one, which was called the Super Slim, which Super was the, Slim. where the, the disk drive was like a thing that you would slide along the very top. Right. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, I did. I did. Yeah. I remember one. Yeah, no, I remember. It, and it, that was so a be... weird looking unit, the PlayStation 3, now that I think back. Yeah. It's funny. I'm reminding, I've reminded myself now that people will take calling, began to calling the original PS3 the PS3 fat. Um, the PS3 is that what they called it? But, but yeah, there were there were three different PS3s in the end. The first one was the fat, all gloss one with the Spider-Man font on the top, and then it was the slim one that was the same version, but it was the same same shape, but it was all matte and said PS3 on the top. And then finally, yeah, it was the one with the slidey top cover with the ridges in it. Um, weird. I thought one day I'll dig out all of my consoles and maybe I'll put them all on display like a little PlayStation museum. Oh, man, I think I've got, I've, I've def, I've got obviously PlayStation One. I've got a PlayStation Two. I've got two versions of the PlayStation Three. Two versions. I've got the PlayStation Four, the PlayStation Four Pro, and then obviously the Five. I'm missing a few, but no, that's cool though, man. I'm, I'm jealous. I, I, I've sold all of mine. The only like console that I have still that I have that I don't use is a PS4 Pro. Right, I, I sold my PSP. I remember I sold that. Uh, oh, actually, I've got a, I've still got my Vita. I guess um, waiting for that battery to explode on me. I think I want to say when I sold my PSP, my brother was horrified because I think I sold it to get a PlayStation Three, and I think I got two hundred pounds for it with all my games. And he was like, "Do you have any idea how much Mum and Dad spent on that?" <laughs> and I was like, "I think I think what they got is like five hundred quid with like all the games and stuff that yeah, I got but, for it." But- Crazy. Hang on a second. Your your brother pointed out the reason why that's not a problem. Do you have any idea how much your mum and dad spent? That? <laughs> if your mum and dad spent the money and you got it at the end, it's it's pure profit on the books. That's very true. And then I got a PlayStation Three out of it. So yeah, hey, yeah. hey ho. Uh, I think we've got time for one more story. Should we um, get oh, stuck into a a cheeky little story about a company that could actually change the face of gaming, Jamie, forevermore because they have got a lot of money. Um, I'm talking about <laughs> Disney um, because uh, CEO of Disney, Bob Iger's deputies, are apparently pushing for him to transform Disney from the Goliath it already is into a gaming Goliath um, and would possibly do the purchase of a uh, existing very large company. Um, so apparently at the moment, obviously, we know that Disney license a lot of, um, of their uh, IP out. They get you know a lot of games made around um, Disney-owned assets, you know, Marvel and things like that. But they think the legs in Disney and gaming is to doing it themselves. And they might be right, you know. Um, like, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough at this, not worldly enough to know <laughs> kind of like what the bottom line looks like from a licensee's perspective and the kind of value inherent to the deals like the ones they've signed a number of with EA. Obviously, EA, they signed a, that Star Wars deal with them that's resulted in the rebooted Battlefront series and then rolling into the the Jedi series. Um, they've now opened that up a little bit so that, you know, Ubisoft are obviously having a crack at Star Wars alongside all of that stuff still taking place. Then, you know, obviously they've also got um, a number of Marvel deals with EA at the moment. Um, we've talked in recent times about um, the Iron Man game that Motive are working on following their work on the Dead Space remake earlier on. Um and then there's a, a game based on Black Panther and a bunch of stuff going on. But it's been a bit hit and miss for them. And I, I guess 
the thing I'm not sure is I presume for the most part as the as a licensee they kind of avoid a lot of the risks inherent to a game sort of like performing quite poorly I imagine they make a deal where they essentially say hey for a certain amount of money EA will give you the rights to make a title based on this or better example of Square Enix like to Disney to kind of like cash a check when Marvel's Avengers gets made because they're like yeah you give us 50 million we'll give you all the rights you need to make whatever game you want to make you gotta think so right um, or are they more hands-on like are there requirements to like I'd imagine EA go through a lot of rigmarole to kind of protect the integrity of their brands and especially with such like Star Wars it's like every sound effect has to be the right sound effect and stuff like that um, so I, get, I don't know just, how yeah wouldn't you just tie that would think that they would tie that to the licensing arra arrangement so for example you say okay you can use Star Wars right. for a hundred for million dollars but you have to sign this 3,000 page document which says that you will stick to all of this and at every stage our um, quality control experts are going to come in and make sure you're sticking to the otherwise you violate the contract and you have to pay us an extra whatever You've got to also imagine that they, uh, as it's third party making something for them, that they can in take out insurance um, specifically yeah. to, uh, aimed at you know protecting themselves to some degree. Um, but it, so this we're talking about this because it comes from a Bloomberg article. Um, I think they've specifically talked about the fact that Disney could maybe buy EA, um, so as a very quick way to get into the business. Right. I, one thing that's interesting about that is I wonder if actually that wouldn't make any difference to anybody anywhere because they wouldn't do anything different. They would just, almost like with Marvel, Disney buying Marvel didn't seemingly make any difference apart from we just got a shitload more Marvel stuff. Um, yeah, I suppose the difference it potentially makes is to what EA are currently doing. You know, what, how did Disney feel about EAFC 24, you know? Yeah. that's That becomes the question. Do they look at that and we're like, actually, these these this is great but these people could be making a mandalorian game or so I, I, see i don't think know. they do that i my initial reaction is if disney get into gaming we're gonna see all of those disney brands so yeah star wars marvel um pixar all those other disney properties we're gonna suddenly see the market flooded like we are with um like loki series 10 and uh wonder vision or game or whatever but actually Maybe they don't do any of that. Maybe they just say, "Just crack on, EA. We're just gonna sit on, sit above you and get the get the profits from your football games." Like, do they do they actually try and push their assets Good question. down the line? Good question. Because I mean, you'd imagine Disney would be somewhat incentivized to like make sure that their IP sort of like live on through that catalogue of games. But when you look at the actual quotes from the Bloomberg article, the idea of becoming a gaming giant. It's not reliant on everything they do hinging around their IPs. I think it would just, there'd be a nice amount of synergy to that. So I, I don't know. Um, it's really hard to say, but then I'm also slightly discouraged by something like this, but just because I think that, generally speaking, licensing out um, the, you know, the rights to these sort of properties and being able to approach or talk to a number of different developers and getting you know, different looks and different ideas and different pitches is what I think creates a sense of variety that stops these IPs um, getting as stale as they otherwise could um, and, and leads to and leads to a better situation for gamers. Like we were talking earlier about, you know, when we were talking about some of the directions that things like Blade Runner and Tron are going in. I'm not suggesting that Disney are ever going to start you know, taking pitch, pitches from, you know, independent developers on what could be like relatively low scale or low budget uh, projects. But at the same time, um, 
I don't know when you when you look at something like Star Wars, like yes, Battlefront was a bit of a disappointment, but the fact that we did get Battlefront and Battlefront lived alongside Jedi Fallen Order and uh, Jedi Survivor, which lived alongside Star Wars Squadrons, which is now going to live alongside um, the well, I forget the name of it, the one that Ubisoft are making that they sort of fully unveiled during the summer. Um, like again, as 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 video as as game players we benefit from that variety and that variety is is enabled by the fact that everyone and anyone who of a certain size or a certain scale or having a certain track record is able to approach disney and pitch and say here's where we think we should make a star wars game and i think keeping that a little bit more fast and loose is what makes things more fresh and as soon as disney go you know entirely internal entirely in-house they're no longer they they, you know, they want to become the gaming giant. They don't work with any of those other companies or studios or publishers anymore. You know, they want to keep their own. Uh, they want to keep the licenses in house as well. And all of a sudden, it becomes like a thing of. You, don't get me wrong. You get some very interesting questions, which like, what do Bioware do with, you know, insert Disney IP here? That's a question I wouldn't mind seeing answered. But I also want to see them continue to make that mass effect game they're making yeah and they, i guess technically the dragon age game they're making too but um i'm it, not holding my breath it's weird because it's almost like a double-edged sword right because you want it you say okay who, who do ea own that can do a good job of um disney own properties and it becomes interesting when effectively <clears throat> i mean i don't know how it works but you've got to imagine at some point those companies turn around and go oh wow so do we know how free reign just we can pick any Disney property we want and, and, and like, pitch a game for it. And there's not really any barriers to us making it. But yeah, the, what do you do then when you say, actually, you want to see a game made by a non-EA property like producing a Disney game? You're not going to see it, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, not that they're buying EA, but this is what's obviously been speculated upon by Bloomberg. Um, and the fact that their CEO, as we said, um, Bob Iger, has been sort of instrumental in buying a lot of... Um, big studios for disney over the years uh we're talking pixar in 2006 lucasfilm in 2012 marvel in 2009 um i mean though and those three in some respects like changed have defined the modern face of disney right it's that i've realized as well how stupid it was that i said that, that doesn't mean we're going to get loads and loads of disney marvel sort of games of course it does look at what they've done over the last sort of like i mean those acquisitions it's just going to be like game spam which Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe, but I don't, I don't, I, maybe it's not. A I, good I, thing. I, I don't think it's a good thing. Um, if if you thought it was bad being inundated with like series after series, what's going to be when we're on like the fifth version of um, a bloody I don't even know, um, Little Mermaid game that no one asked for. Oh God, yeah, and that well, that's like a throwback to like the the nineties and early two thousands where licensed games ruled the roost because that was what made kids pick up. You know, boxes off store shelves was recognizable. You know, IPs and franchises. Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah, Big the quality games. of the games didn't fall by the wayside because you didn't have a bunch of nerds refreshing Metacritic when the Aladdin review embargo dropped to find out if it was good or not. You went to the shop with your parents, you saw Aladdin, and say, "Can I have Aladdin, please?" Because I like the film. Mate, it was really as simple as that. Ninety-two Aladdin on the SNES. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I, I, I played an Aladdin game as well, but it was the PS One game, so. I'm on the 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 weirdest side of the Aladdin argument. I know that much. I don't know if we yeah. I don't know if we need that going forward. I really. Well, it will it will never get quite back to that unless they you know they kind of take shortcuts by focusing on you know intentionally sort of like 
like let's call them B games or mobile games and so on and so forth. Like that is one thing about the potential for gaming spam is that it's not as easy as it was. Where, like like there's a reason that um, publishers whose catalogs focus too heavily on licensed games died when they did. THQ obviously coming to mind. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think you'll ever go back to quite back to that because games are too expensive and take too long to make. Um, for you know, for a shovelware Little Mermaid game to exist, <laughs> but there will be some um, equally as horrifying equivalent, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll happen somehow, but um, yeah, remains to be seen how it'll work. But there we go. Um, you know, Disney like to buy stuff, and why would they not want to get into the biggest media frames or media area there is in video gaming? You've got to imagine yeah. this. You've got to imagine it's one. Of, it's a, a move that they want to make at some point. Oh yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure every time someone reminds them that the games industry generates more revenue than the film industry and the music industry combined, they go, "Huh, interesting." Get me my check. Mo- money, you say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although I, I suppose they because they don't because they're not like a, a publisher at the moment. But you've got to imagine that that's going to trip some uh, alarm bells for um, uh, monopoly agencies around the world saying hold on disney's snapping up a lot of media franchises in all these different areas like i wonder if that's going to cause but, a problem but, mm, i don't see it no they, they yeah they own a lot of ip they own a lot of you know they own a lot of ip but none of those ip really are like super significant yet in gaming terms and by buying ea like yeah i, I don't think that i don't think that'd be an issue just it's, it's, it's this point where it's they my unqualified opinion no, yeah, I've got, I, I have no idea. It's just when you, it just sometimes seems a bit like there's a lot of very, very large companies that own kind of everything. And if you suddenly, if you had Disney owning EA, you'd be like, oh, that's big. That's, a, that's but that would be the only big. significant gaming property they owned. Oh, uh, sure, but then obviously everything that falls under them, so Star Wars, Marvel, all those, ga- they are gay. They make games attached to those IPs. You've got to imagine that then they all get brought in under the Disney umbrella. So would they then be? Con- I don't know. I don't know enough about this sort of thing. I don't know how they work that out. Me neither. We'll get a lawyer to guest on the next episode of the podcast. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. If you're a lawyer out there, why don't you reach out? Um, (laughs) And you can reach out on YouTube or on X. We're at Super Show Pod. um, And you can drop us a little note on Discord as well. You can join there for as little as $2. uh, Join our um, Patreon. Patreon. Oh my God. Why can I never get that right? over at patreon.com uh thank you jamie so much for joining me this week thank you everybody in the chat who's been uh chatting away um chris popped up at one point hot panic was in the tr- on the chat shout out to chris thank you for stopping by thank you to everybody else as well thank you to our patrons thank you to people watching to our subscribers and anyone who just drops a like or drops a comment or just comes by uh to uh listen to us see us say hello it's been another um fantastic week of talking about gaming news even though it was pretty dry jamie we managed to make a show out of it. There you go. We managed to make a show out of it, and um, and next week we'll uh, we'll be able to do a, a, a post Spider Man discussion to some degree. Maybe not post post Spider Man, but uh, you know, what we'll have an autopsy an autopsy of the week of release. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the three exactly. days of release because we would have had with, with, with some yeah with some hands on experience as well. Hopefully. Also, I don't want to speak too soon. I might be. I might be, this might be my last podcast from um, this room. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, depending on how things work out. 
We'll have so, to um, have to yeah, stay tuned to keep connected, see what's going on. Yeah, see, see maybe, maybe you won't get to play Spider Man because you'll be too busy. Uh, Honestly, I like I I actually don't know what to, like Spider Man's coming out at the worst possible time for me without without me too indiscreet. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Um, I'd I, w- I wish I had the willpower to just leave it till I'm on the other side, but I don't know how to do. That'll be like the first thing you plug in will be your TV, your PlayStation. You'll be there, like every just boxes around you. I mean, not unpacked anything, just playing Spider Man. I fuck the rest of it. Can wait, you know. <laughs> uh, well, no, thank you very much, everybody. So we'll uh, see you next week. Um, same time, same place. Um, thanks. Bye. Bye.